Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, everyone. My name's Nick Van Ruth. I'm one of the pastors here at Hills Baptist. Before I get into um, uh, the message tonight, I thought I'd actually take a moment and uh, pray for um, uh, Turkey and Syria and the victims and uh, the families of the victims of the earthquake. Um, latest information I read was over 28,000 people uh, lost their lives. Like, this is massive, um, a big deal uh, with, with a lot of big deals going on globally. Um, so let's, let's do that. Let's take a moment and uh, just bring this before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we, uh, gosh, don't really know what to say. Um, these massive things happening way outside of our control. But Lord, we know uh, that you are sovereign, you are powerful. As much as we might mourn uh, this loss, how much more is your heart broken uh, for those uh, suffering, those who've lost, those who have been lost, those uh, who are left and um trying to deal with the destruction, the rubble, the, um, the, the ongoing implications of the earthquake and, and everything else going on. Lord, we pray um, that you would bring hope and healing uh, into Turkey and Syria and the other areas affected. And uh, also with the war in Ukraine ongoing and, and famine in other areas of the world and all this stuff going on, Lord, we pray that uh, this, these things would not lead people away from you, but lead them to you, the source of hope and healing, of, of salvation amongst this dark world. Lord, we pray uh, you would reveal yourself even through these tough times. Lord, we pray that us as a community here at Hills would be a generous community supporting uh, the work and aid that's, that's ongoing in these areas, that even as life gets tougher for us and, 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 and wallets get more empty, we become even more generous uh, from what you've given us to, to, to uh, help your hurting world. We pray um, yeah, for all this uh, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, can you keep a secret? I'm not going to tell you one, but I am asking, can you keep a secret? Now, some secrets are meant to be shared. Some secrets are actually meant to be revealed, like um, uh, when someone's pregnant. Now, initially, that typically is a secret that is kept in itself before sharing or a new job or a new hire. For a time, uh, I was aware that we were going to be hiring uh, Luke as the new young adults pastor and I was very excited about, but I had to keep that secret until we announced it. And it was all happy and clappy and very exciting and we'll see if that's still the case in a few months. <laughs> we'll see. Have you ever been the other side of a secret where you know that something's going on and people are chatting, you walk into the room, they stop talking, like, what's happening? And then, then later down the track, bang, it's a surprise party or something. But, but that, that, that feeling of there's, there's something out, there's a, there's a truth, there's a secret that I don't know yet. What is it? 
I think the world is in that place of, of not knowing a secret, a mystery uh, of, of searching, like, what is this life all about? What am I meant to be doing? Who am I? Where do I belong? Where is home for me? And you see this expressed in, in, in people's searching for meaning and searching for a place uh, to belong in experience, in expression, individualism, materialism, spiritualism, all these isms that people are searching and searching, searching for this secret. And friends, as Christians, we have the secret. We know the truth. We know the good news of Jesus Christ. And now uh, the passage that's just read, it talks about this mystery, talks about a secret, talks about gospel, good news. And the word mystery that's used four or five times there, it's not a mystery in the sense of how we understand mystery of like something that's you know, out there and misunderstood, we need to work it out and solve it. It's a mystery in the sense of information that's previously hidden and now revealed. Previously hidden, now revealed. That's what Paul means by mystery. And that's what he means when he says he's come to reveal the mystery. The great mystery that is the gospel. And we have a mystery. We have a secret. That we're not to keep to ourselves a secret to reveal. Now, where we're going to head tonight in exploring Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at the mystery, the privilege, the purpose, and the prayer. So if you're taking note, that's where we're heading. The mystery, the privilege, the purpose, the prayer. Firstly, the mystery. What is the mystery that Paul is talking about? Now, a bit of uh, context, a bit of situational information is Paul, this whole chapter pretty much is a tangent. He's making a point, developing his logic, and then he begins the, the, the chapter for this reason. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, and then he goes on this little tangent, and we know this because then he returns to it in verse 14. Same words, for this reason. So this tangent he goes on, it, like it contains all this great uh, information. And what's it all about? It's all about the mystery. Now, Paul says, Paul, the prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. He's referring to the fact that he's in prison. And the reason that he's in prison is because uh, the, the Jewish people who have been chasing him down, hunting him down because he had the audacity to preach the gospel to Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, people outside the people of God. And then the, the Ephesian Christians are concerned for him because it was Ephesian Jews that, that, that kind of stirred this trouble for him. And now he's in prison in Rome. And, um, but Paul, Paul's making this whole... Uh, tangent is kind of to make the point in verse 13. Uh, I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged in my position. Why? Because I have this secret. I have this mystery. This information previously hidden, now revealed. And speaking to the church in Ephesus, this mystery that Paul's already talked about, Jews and Gentiles now united as the people of God previously. 
as the story of God unfolded, the story of history unfolded, the people of God was exclusively Israel. The means of God um, being present in the world was exclusively Israel. The means of God's glory was exclusively Israel, even though they didn't do a very good job of that. But now, Paul says, and he's making this point, the mystery is being revealed, the secret told. The secret, this information that was always there, bubbling under the surface through the story of Scripture, now blown wide open through the prophets and the apostles and through Paul. And and, and he's very clear. The mystery in verse 6, the mystery that the... Uh, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The mystery, heirs together, members together, sharers together in Christ through the gospel. That's the mystery. That's a great secret blown wide open, that Gentiles, people who traditionally and historically are not the people of God, have been invited into being the people of God. This is a new invitation, not new information for us, but for the the, the Ephesian church, this secret, this big mystery is that we've been invited into to be the very people of God. All people universally, even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles. And so what what does this mean? So being invited into being heirs together, heirs being like uh, the firstborn son. If you think in a patriarchal society where the firstborn son inherited the responsibility, inherited the property, inherited uh, the status of the the family and and of the previous generation, um, it's, we're all heirs together, all inheritors, all the very children of God. We belong to the family of God. In, through the gospel, in Christ Jesus, we are children of God, Gentiles and Jews together. Uh, we're also members together, members of Christ's body, the the. God who's created a people for himself, we're not in it alone, but we're members together. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. We belong, not just to God, we belong to each other. We are members together. And we're also invited into being sharers together in the promise or, or another translation, partakers together of the promise. We get to take part of the promise that God has given to his people. The promises of God, the promise of salvation, the promise of eternal life, the promise of the big store, the big promise of the Bible is that God would dwell with his people. That he would be their God and they, they would be his people. A promise given to the Jewish people a promise the Gentiles are invited into, that the whole world would be invited into being sharers together in that promise, to be with 
God. Promises together. So this, um, this amazing mystery that Paul is, is, is speaking about, even though he's in prison for speaking to the Jews, sorry, speaking to the Gentiles about this, this promise, this invitation. And reality is like, but don't you see this invitation, this amazing truth, this amazing secret that previously hidden now is blown wide open that all people of all nations are invited into the people of God. Now, how is that possible? He says it's in Christ through the gospel. It's not the status of the people. It's not the work of the people. It's not whatever of the people. It is the work of Jesus Christ in Christ. The great mystery revealed is revealed through Jesus. He is the great secret of this world, the meaning of life, the, the, the end of the story, the, the thing we've all been searching for deep, deep down in the soul of our souls, Jesus is the one that makes us children of God, makes us members of the body, partakers of the promise. When we're in Christ, in Him, because of the gospel, the truth that Jesus lived a perfect life and he, he died a death he didn't deserve, but that we deserved. And he rose again to give us life that we could never attain in and of ourselves. And he rose again into heaven to, to rule the world once and for all. And he'll come back to, to make all things new again. Jesus lived, he died, he rose, to, rose again to pay for our sin, our guilt, to deal with our separation from God. Jews and Gentiles, all nations, all people can become the children of God through Him, through His work, His sacrifice. And so when God sees us and looks down on you and He looks down on me, He doesn't see us, He sees Christ in us. He doesn't see our work. He sees the work of Christ in us. So we're in Christ. Through the gospel, we are together the people of God. This is the great equalizer. There's no one person or, or status or thing or work that makes us any, any better than anyone else because we're all in Christ. We're all saved through the gospel and nothing else. We've been invited into the people of God. That's the great mystery. And that's the mystery that Paul has the privilege of sharing. Paul's privilege. He moves on, like establishing uh, the, the, the mystery and then it's through this, the gospel that the mystery is made known. And then he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. He, he's going around preaching this great mystery, sharing this secret with, uh, with the world, with Jews and with Gentiles. And he says, this isn't my obligation. This isn't, I don't do this because I was told to. I, I don't do this because I've been coerced to or tricked into doing this. He says, this is my gift. This is my privilege. He says he's a servant, a slave of the gospel. But he refers to that as being 
a grace from God, unmerited favour upon him that he might go and share the mystery of Jesus, of the gospel. And I wonder what's, what's our posture, posture to the world, our posture to, to sharing this great secret we have. And I'll admit, like when, when someone asked me, what did you do on the weekend? Like even me as a pastor, I struggled to say, I went to church and I worshiped God and I heard about Jesus. And I, when people ask me what I, what I do for a job, I struggle to know how to answer that question because I'm afraid of what people might think of me. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, I, you know, all these things. And I imagine all of us can relate to that. I know I'm not alone. But do I realize the privilege, the opportunity I have when I'm speaking to, to, to someone else and speaking to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, speaking to someone who's uh, caught up in this world of, of materialism and seeking for answers and never being able to find the answer. And I've actually got the answer. I've got the one that they're looking for. And I have the privilege, the honor to be able to share that with them. We've been invited into the privilege of sharing the mystery, a secret. And why, why is that? Paul talks about the privilege and the honour, the honour of, of um, preaching to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and make, making plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, how it worked out, which for ages past was kept hidden by, in God who created all things. And then he says, the reason he does this, God's intent, the purpose, what's the purpose behind this mystery being revealed and this mystery uh, happening? And it's a bit of a confusing uh, verse. He says in verse 10, 3 verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, who are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms? Because it, this verse really doesn't really make sense. Are we, are we sharing the manifold wisdom of God with angels? We're sharing the manifold wisdom of God of, of, of spiritual beings. Are we sharing the manifold wisdom of God with, with just rulers and authority in high places? Luke and I sat down. We had a long chat about this, trying to wrestle with this, figure out what, what is this verse saying? And uh, we were reading for a while, but then we, came, we were looking at where is this word used elsewhere in Ephesians? And the same word is used um, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 12, when it says, talking about a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, the authorities, the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I still don't know exactly what it's talking about, but it sounds like spiritual forces, dark spiritual forces, or even dark and or evil and good spiritual forces that we have the opportunity to demonstrate what God has done through His church. That He's brought two groups that there is no political possible way of associating together. He's brought together through the gospel. 
And, and I take it that what Paul is saying is that uh, God's great plan is that through his church, he could say to all the powers and the systems and the, the, the people trying to thwart his plans and trying to prove God wrong, in a world that's capitalizing on division and separation and segregation and tribalism, we get to show the world God's unity, his acceptance, his love, a place to belong, transformation. That through the gospel, there's an invitation to anyone without conditions to come to Jesus, to receive salvation, to receive a new life, to receive transformation, to receive a place to belong. That which we've all been searching for. It's a testimony of the power and the love of God in Christ Jesus expressed through the church. And God is most glorified when we are united together. And I think his heart breaks when we're divided. So Paul ends his tangent and he, he ends with, don't be discouraged I'm in prison because I was preaching to the Gentiles, but I had the privilege of sharing the mystery that all are invited into being the people of God. And he goes back, he finishes his tangent, and he goes back to what he was intending to start with, which is to pray. He returns to his main point. And he says, therefore, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every uh, family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And he prays. Now, when there is uh, for this reason or when there's a therefore, a great question to ask is what is it? Therefore. Excellent. Excellent. So what's Paul saying? What's, what is the information that's come before that's led Paul to pray for this thing? And it's in the end of chapter 2, which Luke preached on last week, but effectively landing with the same concept, the mystery that um, from 2 verse 19, Paul like finishes his logic. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, separated people, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. It's the outworking of the mystery built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. A holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. So he ends chapter two, talking about as we're saved and as we're brought together in Christ, we become the very dwelling place of Jesus. We become the dwelling place for which his spirit can reside. And then... He says, for this reason, goes on a quick tangent about the mystery and he comes back to his main point. For this reason, I pray. And have a listen to how Paul prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Listen to what Paul's praying for. He prays that you would be strengthened in your innermost being. He prays for strength, for power, so that, so that Christ may dwell in you. And what power does he pray for? What strength does he pray for is that we'd be able to understand the love of God, that we'd actually be able to have a glimpse of how much God loves me, how much God loves you. Of all the things that Paul could pray for. Now, as a pastor, I pray for the church regularly. And I, there's many things I pray for. And we have many needs as a church. And it would be very easy to, to, to pray for a new building. We pray for more car parks. We pray for more people to be coming. We pray against the persecution that we're facing. We pray for uh, more finances. We pray for more missionaries. We pray for more leaders. There's many, many, many good things to be praying for. But what Paul sees as the deepest and most important need for the Ephesian church and for all Christians is that we may know how much we are loved by God. And there's no end to that, that piece of string. How, how much does God love, to love us? We'll never be able to find out because it just keeps going and going. We might feel that God loves us a certain amount, but it is so much more. We might feel that we're so unworthy and therefore don't have God's love, but God's love is so much bigger than whatever we might have done or whatever we might have going on. We cannot know how much God loves us. But Paul prays that we would know more and more and more and just keep getting more and more a, a glimpses and an encounter of how much we are loved by God. Because we belong to God. We're, we've been invited into His kingdom. We've been invited into His people. Why? Not because of our work not because of our status, not because of our ethnicity. We're invited because of His love, because He loves us, because He loves you. God invites you into His kingdom. He invites you to hear about Jesus, the one who made a way that you could be with God. Real strength is knowing that God loves me. And real power is God's presence in us. That's what we need. That is, our, that is your deepest need. Individually and as a church, that is what we need more than anything else, to know the love of God. I haven't been a pastor for very long, but I can say that, that at the heart of every struggle, every issue, every sinful desire and, and bad habit, at the heart of it, is we forget how, just how much God loves me. We've lost that image. 
And if only we realized how fierce and intense his love and desire for us is. We even just get a glimpse of that. It draws us in. And that's how he does his work. The mystery, the great mystery that we have as Christians for the world, the world is searching and searching for meaning, for purpose. The heart of it is searching for love. We all just, we all just want someone to love us. And God loves you. God loves the world. We have the privilege of sharing that truth with people. We're going to um, uh, spend some time in worship now. And I just, I just think uh, it'd be really important to pray this prayer over everyone. Now, we've got a prayer team in the back. I'm going to ask um, uh, uh, elders in the room, John at the back, Luke and myself be at the back, Abby, um, and a couple others. I'll tap you on your soldier on the way, out, way up. If you would like prayer that you would know the love of God. Come for prayer. Now, there might be a whole number of reasons why you might need that prayer. Maybe you feel called and compelled into sharing that love and so you want to know it better so you can share it better. Maybe you're caught in guilt and shame and you just can't imagine a God could love even you. You need to hear. You need to know that God loves you. Maybe it's just an average Sunday and it's comple- everything's completely normal. You need to know that God loves you. So we'll make that space. We're going to sing of God's love to each other. We're going to hear um, some scriptures. And then, um, yeah, let's, let's do this. Know God's love. Share the mystery. Let me pray um, for you as we do this. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this great mystery, for this great secret that we have, a secret not to keep to ourselves, but one to reveal, to share. And thank you so much that you have shared it with us. That through Paul, who shared it with the Gentiles, and all of us probably here are fit into that category who aren't uh, Jews, we, we've been enabled to come into your people, into your kingdom. We thank you that someone shared that secret with us, whether family or friend or whatever context. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a grace, what a, what a love. And Lord, we, we, we pray that we too would go out and share this great secret of your love for us. Thank you so much. And Lord, thank you for your love. And we, I just pray uh, that out of your glorious riches, you would, you would strengthen all of us with power through your Holy Spirit in our innermost being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that us as your people being rooted and established in love may have power together with all saints of all time to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.